This week on the Iowa Watch Connection. We've been very fortunate to spend time with quantum physicists in the UK, who are a very interesting group of people. Growth and development personally comes in many forms. I have come to a, to a country I've never been before. And sometimes leaving one's comfort zone is necessary. I looked it up though and, and discovered that risk is, is more, more exposure to danger. Risks and rewards, our topic this week. The Iowa Watch Connection is presented by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, online at iowawatch.org. Here is Jeff Stein. We often hear that you need to take risks in life in order to get ahead, but doing this is no easy task. You might think the risks are too high for you personally or for those who depend on you. Iowa Watch and the Iowa Writers' House teamed up recently to explore this topic in a form that differs from the usual way you consume news via a live storytelling event. The event was held at the Iowa Writers' House, a historic landmark in Iowa City that once was home to Emma Harvat, herself a risk-taker in business and politics. In 1923, Harvat was elected to become not only Iowa City's first female mayor, but the first female mayor of any U.S. city with 10,000 or more people. Today, we want you to hear portions of this storytelling event. You'll hear from four people who have taken risks in their lives and seen rewards. Here's Iowa Watch's Lyle Muller with our opening report. You may have seen Vanessa Miller's reporting from the Cedar Rapids-based Gazette newspaper's Iowa City Bureau. For a long time, I thought that uh, risk was something that you chose, um, something that you took, like playing the lottery or jumping out of an airplane or buying an egg salad sandwich from the vending machine. Like, <laughs> it could go well for you or it could go very badly for you, but either way, you could have chosen not to take that risk, you know, keep your money in your pocket, your feet on the ground. So um, I looked it up, though, and, and discovered that risk is, is more, more exposure to danger. What you didn't know, and which she was willing to share, is that she and her husband used in vitro fertilization to have their first child because of infertility issues. It's the kind of real-life situation that can serve as an example of taking risk for a higher reward. And there's no mistaking in Miller's story that risks were taken. We were going to be all in. Um, and so ordered these boxes and cases of little vials that we kept under our sink. And every night I had to like you know, shoot myself in the butt with, with a syringe and it right had to be at six o'clock. So we couldn't do, we couldn't do dinners and movies or we had to leave at awkward times. And, you know, I, it, I insisted on doing it myself because I was embarrassed by the fact that this is how you get me pregnant. <laughs> you know, you, you... Eventually, Miller started feeling what seemed to be morning sickness and other symptoms of pregnancy. And so finally I bought some pregnancy tests, like, you know, just what, what, what if, you know? So I, I took one and it was negative, of course, because I can't get pregnant because Dr. Bush said so. So <laughs> not, I'm not even going to go there, but I still felt sick, you know? And I was like, I went to the doctor, I don't know. So I couldn't figure it out. And on March 7th, 
2010, I decided in the morning, Sunday morning, it was a Sunday morning, and I decided to take the last pregnancy test. And clear as day, it said I was pregnant. And I just was like, Joe. And he said he knew by the way that I called him into the bathroom what I was going to say. But I was like, I don't believe this stick. And we don't have any more sticks. <laughs> so you have to go to the store and buy me some more sticks. So Joe came back with all the different brands. You know? So like, I spent all morning drinking and peeing. And they all said I was pregnant, which was, which was good news. But, you know... We have been here before. We've been pregnant. We've gotten this pregnancy test before. And so that first that first eight-week ultrasound that they make people with fertility problems go to was just, I could hardly walk into the clinic there. There were fears that the baby would not survive. But eventually, the couple had a baby son. And then... Today, Joe and I are, are living in Iowa City and we're parents three times over. So we actually were able to have twins, not by IVF. Just, just in 2012, we did get pregnant with twins, um, and and it was a miracle again. Um, and I and I I like I said, am forever forever worrying about them, obsessing over them, but loving it, loving every minute. And it it has made me realize that this state of existence that was risk that we tried so hard to avoid at the beginning of our parenthood journey is perhaps the reward um, in the end. Bumika Nayak left her home in India to attend college and be an aerospace engineer. She lives in the Cedar Rapids area now after leaving India in 2007 after an emotional goodbye at the airport there with her parents. This is the first time I'm going to leave them and I don't know when I'm going to see them because it's a one-way ticket that I'm coming to a, to a country I've never been before for someone who's never stepped out of India. So <laughs> I'm at the airport and um, another fact about Indian culture, uh, <laughs> um, I touch their feet before I leave. Now you may think, is she tying their shoelaces or what is she doing? Uh, or if you ask my husband, he touches elders' feet only on New Year's Day because when you do that, you actually get cash. So, <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm touching their feet uh, because it's a way of asking for their blessings to succeed in my new adventure that I'm taking up. And so we hug, we waving goodbyes, and I'm, I'm looking back as I'm saying goodbye as long as I can see them. And there's a moment where I can't see them. That's the moment I feel, this is it. I'm on my own. Eventually, Nayak graduated from college and worked in Boston. In 2010, she learned that she had a job at Rockwell Collins in Cedar Rapids as a systems engineer. She moved to Iowa and got married. Since then, there's been no looking back. I have a lovely husband who's very supportive in everything I do. Uh, two lovely girls, seven-year-old, almost seven-year-old and three-year-old. And uh, I still miss some of my cultural things that we do. And in order to kind of bridge that gap, I and a few friends began Asian Fest, which is bringing the Asian culture here in Iowa. Uh, I love my friends, the community I live in, just because I think this is where I want it to be. And today, when I look back, 
that day on the dinner table when my parents asked me, do you want to do your own laundry? Do you want to do your own dishes? Do you want I, 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 I'm so proud I made that decision that I wanted to do that on my own. Chuck Peters is board chairman for Foliance, an employee stock option investment company that owns the Gazette newspaper and other companies. He has spent a great deal of time searching for, among other things, effective ways to improve education. A note of disclosure here, the Gazette is an Iowa Watch financial supporter. However, neither Peters nor Vanessa Miller were selected to tell their stories because of that. Peter spoke about creating sustainable, inclusive communities that connect with others globally. He told of getting burned out by that, too, but still trying to find ways to use conflicting narratives to produce something greater than the norm, especially in education. Weary, he would ask people if they knew of a school that was working, making progress, and measuring it. That's another whole long story, but through a very serpentine set of connections, I ended up at a school in London that had been slated to be closed because it was so terrible. Uh, nobody's learning, police called every day, high conflict, and these three women decided to try to keep it open. I asked them, what theory did you apply? And they just looked at me and said, we didn't have time for theories, you know, we're in a mess. All we could do was sense and respond, that's all we could do. And by doing that over and over and over again, they became one of the top schools in the UK. The kids did not change. So those kids who had, none of them had succeeded, now they were all succeeding. So I thought, well, I could get a couple of principals from Iowa and go show them the school and, and videotape it. And that would show everybody it was possible. The video turned into a documentary. Work continues on finding an education model that works best, Peter said. However, because of making that documentary, I was invited to the House of Lords to speak about early childhood education. And Lord Andrew Stone of Blackheath, who's about 75 years old, like poked his finger at me and said, what is the essential issue? <laughs> and I said, we are using ineffective methods within too limited a cosmology. <laughs> and then he said, well, then you need to meet my friend, this quantum physicist. So I've been very fortunate to spend time with quantum physicists in the UK, which is a very interesting group of people. And, I th and as I sit here today, I don't feel as competent as I did 11 years ago. I don't feel anywhere close to as competent, but I have lots of energy and I'm really happy to be here. More about risks and rewards as the Iowa Watch Connection continues. Support for the Iowa Watch Connection comes from the Iowa Insurance Division's Iowa Fraud Fighters Program. This statewide initiative educates Iowans on how to double-check before they invest and shield their savings from scammers. Thousands of Iowans have attended fraud fighter forums across the state to learn about new scams circulating in their area and how to stay a step ahead of fraudsters. Learn how to fight fraud and why it is important to report scams at iowafraudfighters.gov. 
The Iowa Watch Connection radio program is part of a statewide audience engagement project organized by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, an independent, nonprofit, nonpartisan news organization. The center is dedicated to producing high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism in Iowa, while also training journalism students to do this work at a high ethical level. The center is found online at iowawatch.org. Welcome back to the Iowa Watch Connection. I'm Jeff Stein. Reed Wilson is founder of Vast Iowa, a company through which he produces videos of individuals who have overcome adversity. He spoke about the need to find a superhero and the lessons he learned from his mother about telling the right story. His remarks from the Iowa Watch Iowa Writers House live storytelling event have been edited for length. I step out of the shower just recently and I look in the mirror and I realize a better name for that and a brand name for it should be the deprecator or the shame maker. But when I look in that mirror, I see a scar and it's here. It's right here. And scars represent stories. I have hundreds of them all over my body because as a kid, I wanted to be a superhero. I wanted to grow up I wanted to be the Batman, I want to be Spider-Man, I want to be Michael Jordan, I want to make the game-winning shot. That was everything I admired, and I wanted to be the next business person. But overall, I wanted to be my mom. See, she's my real hero in my life. She's a business person, and she's very, very good at it. See, I would come down the stairs every morning as a child, and I would turn the corner on my mom. She sits in this red chair every single morning, and she reflects on her values. Her values are faith, family, friends, extreme honesty, and extreme listening. And she would sit there, and she would read her Bible, and then she would do uh, an analogous homework assignment in one of her books, and then she would also apply it to her business. And I'm passing, and I'm walking by one day, and I have a book in my hand, the next best business book, because I'm going to be a hero, just like you, Mom. And I walk by, and she says, you like that book? I said, yes, I do. I like that book a lot, and I keep on walking. What, which part did you like best? I like the part where the guy turns around the company. Oh, you like the Alcoa part. That's very nice. Yeah, that guy was amazing, wasn't he, Reed? Yes, Mom. He was very, very amazing. See, this guy was so big, and he came down to an employee level, the frontline workers, and he said, what's wrong with this company? Well, we're not safe. We have people dying in the mines. We need changes. See, that, that one guy, that one guy said, we need a safety protocol and gave the power to the employees. That's amazing. And my mom looks at me and says, that guy's full of <laughs> <laughs> My mom doesn't swear. I don't swear in front of my mom. We've crossed, <laughs> we've crossed a new level of communication as adults. Mom is friend now. Why is he full of because he canceled out two women, me included, that turned that company around. He hired us to turn that company around. But see, it's the 80s, Reed, and women don't get credit at that time. And only one hero makes the book. Certainly wasn't a team of people, was it? My mom is a completely open listener. She's not sarcastic. She means truth. I thought that was her value, that she was a hero. You start to see the superheroes have cracks, and they work on things as well. And it takes me to a scene where I'm on the deck with my mother, my dad, my dad has stained this deck many times over. He's even fallen onto it from the roof. He works so hard on this deck. We found him passed out one day out there. We're sitting around this table, and my uncle, 
I've discovered a lot of people have these uncles that want to tell you an impressive story. I got in my car, is how it starts, and then they want to be recognized for driving 12 hours to see you, as if a superhero <laughs> achievement. And you put that star and you put that badge on them. And I made it to your house. End of story. That was very interesting, Uncle Warden. Thanks for sharing. And as he's telling that story, I look around and I see my mom make this expression. She's staring me down and she goes... <laughs> <laughs> my mom's not sarcastic. <laughs> but she had no time for that story. She was done with stories. She was not listening. My mom comes into my room every morning as a child, and she opens the blinds and she says, this is the day that the Lord has made my sister recognize and recently told me that's her way of keeping a tab on you, just so you know. She still would do it as an adult. And I came out of the room where she opened that blinds one day, and I came around the stairs and I walked down by the red chair and my father had followed me down by that red chair, and we received a similar, similar memo of the right kind of judgment, because her father, father is a military general, and he doesn't wear his badges on his chest. And I was proud. I was feeling proud, because I'm going to be a superhero. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build this business. And she told me that story and said, Reed, don't, don't, don't wear your badges on your chest. Don't wear your accomplishments. Doug, don't do that either. Have a good day at work, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And out the door we went. And a few weeks later, my dad comes down around the stairs and passes the red chair because my mom had called him down to the bedroom. She had fallen asleep. My sister was sleeping with her, which is a common occurrence in our family. He called her down, and she took his hand just like this and said, Doug, I, 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 just, I just need your permission to pass on and go up to heaven. Your kids have given me that permission. See, my mom has had cancer for a long time up until this point. And she had gotten permission from two of us to go to heaven six months prior, but my dad was the last person holding on to her and not letting her go. And with tears in his eyes, he said, yes, Susan, you can go, you can go to heaven. And then she left. She left for heaven. See, my mom sitting on that deck, she's not the beautiful woman, the disciplined woman I had described. She had no time left for these stories. And that's why she started using curse words. <laughs> she couldn't speak at that point. She was frail and pale and had lost 100 pounds and had a feeding tube she had just pulled. But it's still my mom, a superhero. And I had to be like her. And you'll find me back in front of my mirror thinking, often, I need to be like her. So I go build companies. I'm on the phone with my friend. He's saying, you spoke last night. You spoke last night. You are amazing. This is the stuff we need to hear as people. You are amazing. You've got these two companies going. You're partnering with others. You make money. You're amazing. And I look in that mirror and I say, I feel like the ninth grade kid at home, empty as a child, and I need my mom. I'm nothing. I am completely broken down and nothing. But I still crave to be like my mom as I look in that mirror and I find myself on the ground after a very, very intense workout. I'll bring you into this now. I'm on the ground, a workout, I get high off working out. I can go very, very hard. I can release dopamine. I can hit over 200 heart rates a minute because that's what achievers do. And I find myself crumpled and reflecting and needing change. And I entered a house that was just described by a friend who stole my thunder of describing a lovely house that you're sitting in tonight. <laughs> That's okay. And an invite to come to story class because I started chasing the right things because I wanted to be like my mom and discover who she was. And we sat in a story class and learned questions like, what are your values? And people were forced to look you in the eyes and tell you what your values are with barely knowing you. And I started to recognize how we should truly see ourselves in that mirror as how people with compassion see us versus self-deprecating judgment. 
that I was coming out of the shower with even still just the other day. That was one factor that let me be like my mother. A woman grabbed me on her celebration of life and came real close and she says, Reed, everyone has good things said about them to death, but, but I actually mean it. Your mom was straightforward and serious and mean at times, but she listened with intent and she treated my daughter as her own granddaughter whose grandparents disregard her versus my two boys. She's Sydney's best friend. And another woman comes up to me and grabs my other arm and says, Reed, everyone says things nice about people when they die, but about your mother, I mean it. Your mother changed my life and business because she showed me what truly mattered when she sat in the room and then decided not to bill a lot of dollars that she could have for this session because we need a change among our people. She changed my life and that's why I'm here today. I had not met that man. So I could start to unwrap what it's like to be like my mother. And the cusp of finally unwrapping, I'm down the floor where I was taking you early. I'm down, I'm collapsed, and a song comes on called Something Just Like This by the Chainsmokers. <laughs> and that song is incredible. If you listen very, very closely, artists are crying out all the time for help. All the time. That song says, I'm reading books of old, Achilles in his gold, Batman in his fists, I don't fit into Superman's suit, Spider-Man's control, I have none of this. Who am I? And the woman looks at him and says, you are you, and that's enough. You want to miss this life with me because you're worried about me, someone else? You are enough. And I went to a place of ecstasy with my mother's presence, doing jumping jacks for whatever reason. I was higher than I ever been. I, a combination of those three things let me know when I would come back to that mirror, I was starting to become a superhero. And the question is, what powers do we all have inside us that are superhero powers listening like my mother? Reed Wilson, founder of Vast Iowa, a company that produces videos featuring individuals who have overcome adversity. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can connect with us online, iowawatch.org. Click on the Iowa Watch Connection tab at the top of the page to listen to all or part of this program again for a list of stations that carry the program and more, iowawatch.org. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you'll make the Iowa Watch Connection again next week. The Iowa Watch Connection is a copyrighted presentation of the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, which is solely responsible for its content. For more information about the center, including how you can contribute so high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism and student training can continue, go online, iowawatch.org.